to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio. This is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. And welcome into this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Merely Bo and the great Gibbe here as we continue with our best of week here on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Today's show, kind of a potpourri for you. We hit on several things. We hit on uh, a legend conversation with Dequel Jackson, get into some sports media conversations with Andrew Marchand. And I think that is something, you know, we saw this last week with the uh, the Big Ten Pac-12 moves uh, with USC and UCLA, and you're starting to see what is happening in sports media. Now more than ever, it's very direct, and the NFL is going to want to play big, big, in this going forward and that is very simply put how do we continue to make the most out of our product financially and to continue to grow our product in the eyes of sports fans and so that leads to a really interesting conversation with Andrew Marshawn uh, Z goes one-on-one with Colleen Wolf of course she hosted what I, I gotta tell you Gibby I'm sad it's gone uh, I'm devastated I'm really sad it's gone the, that NFL Network pregame show was as good as it got on Thursday nights I wish there was a way that that could have continued in some way, shape, or form. Because next to Inside the NBA on TNT, yeah, it was the best pregame show. Yeah, I, the only thing I can think, I mean, it certainly could have. I mean, Amazon obviously wanted to do their own thing and start from scratch, but they could have, you know, poached all of those people. Yeah, but and done it. You're borrowing Kirk Herbstreit from ESPN. Al Michaels is still doing stuff with NBC. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. I don't know. Yeah, there was there was certainly the potential for it, and and they they went in another direction. I think it stinks because that show really had everything that you wanted in it. So you'll get that conversation that Z had with Colleen Wolf, uh, some behind the scenes uh, of what happened on that show, um, and obviously the Hoff, a very very big part of that. Speaking of the Hoff, uh, you'll hear our conversation with the Hoff. Doesn't isn't this one have to do with his underwear tweet? The I poll. believe. I, I had to bring it back for an encore. It was so ridiculous. Like, we have Joe on all the time, and it's a treasure to have him on. But this was one where it was just spontaneous. We had to put the Hoff under the microscope after the decisions he was making. So you'll hear that interview. That is a, that is certainly a fun one. And then Chase Winovich, who is really turning heads, not just with his play, obviously, but just the type of dude he is. He is a very good dude, and you will hear that interview with Chase Winovich as well on this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. You will start to hear that after this quick timeout. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Bath Authority could give you the bathroom of your dreams. You could transform your current bathroom into a custom bath. It'll feel like a spa, and you let that Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. They are experts. They are factory-trained installers. You give them a call right now. In fact, they'll give you 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. The number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects, they're all made in the United States. You can change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. If you need a tub to shower conversion, they can do it for you. They can do it for you in about a day. Superior products with expert installers, thebathauthority.com at 216-220-8399. 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. Tell them that Bo sent you. And now as we continue on this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, here's our conversation with Browns linebacking legend, Dequell Jackson. Hey, before we get into this, uh, you know Gibbe. Go ahead. Uh, this is what this is what he was doing here, Dequell. Face directly oh at him. You're facing directly at him. Okay, you're facing him. Go ahead. I do the act. 
Do the act. No, How you ha- are you? Do what? it the other way. Do it the other way. Give me the Do right the foot way. in. Right, right foot to the heel. Left. What oh am I witnessing God. right now? What in the hell is that? I'm double jointed. I literally was just standing. I came up here to tell these guys. And you were just, that's just a resting He was just standing there resting. He was resting. resting. He was just yeah, like and I, that's, I've never seen that before, ever in my life. Maybe a athlete. baby. Maybe from a baby. Maybe from I a turned sister. around, and that's what I saw. And oh I was like, God. what the, what the what hell is, is going that? on? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, that is actually impressive and disgusting. <laughs> the was that like a parlor <laughs> trick for you in college? Did you, like, make money no. with this? I would have taken I, I, that around I, to the I bars. I should have. Been like, I bet you, I bet you 100 bucks I can get my toe to my heel 90 degrees. <laughs> yeah, I'll, really I'll probably snap my knees if I try something like that. <laughs> we, were, we can't even get close. Uh, this close. Is, no, I'm not even going to attempt to try it. Yeah. No, you can't even attempt it, man. What was it? Did you have fun out here today? Yeah, it, it, it was it was very good to to be back on the field, to smell the field, to put my feet to the field, and just just take it all in. I think it was you know I didn't really get that opportunity obviously when I was playing here, but just walking up here, you know, as part of I was here for eight years in certain parts of the stadium, I had no idea. I've never stepped foot on so. Uh, it, it's been great. It's always great to come back, and I plan on making more more visits back, especially with my three-year-old son. That's awesome. Oh, that is awesome to bring him back. And I know you were here, was it a couple years ago? Yeah, yeah I was back here uh, for – I was inducted as yeah. a Browns legend last year. Yeah, last year. Uh, end right. of September. And we and, were talking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was a chance for my son to kind of um, match up all the helmets and footballs and stuff <laughs> I have at the house. And it was like, oh, Dad, you, you played here. And he had my jersey on. It was, it was a very special moment for me. That is very special, yeah. and, and I'm sure for you to come back, it is special. What is the thing that you kind of miss the most about Cleveland? You know what? I, I flew in last night, and I still keep in touch with a lot of people in the area. I'm a big foodie, so, you know, just just being back and just reliving some of those moments, just being out. And, and you know what? What was special with my time here? I know we didn't win a ton of games here, but the people that I met, I yeah. still keep in contact with. And I, more to answer your question directly, it's the people. Yeah. The people, yeah. the community. Uh, is nothing like it. You know, I spent time in Indianapolis. Indianapolis was great, but this is this is my home. This is a home away from home for me. All right, you said you're a foodie. So what is like, what's when you come back here, what's the one place you've got to get to? So Fahrenheit is yep. one. Uh, uh, his name is Zagowskis. He just opened up a new place down the um, – the, the what is it? Not the waterfront. Oh, like uh, uh, the sushi place right on the water. Yeah, so I'm at Zdenko. Yeah, I'll, I'll check flats? that out. Yeah, yeah, in, right in the flats. I couldn't think yeah. of yeah, the flats. So it's I, good. I'll, I'll check yeah. that out tonight. And uh, oh, man, you'll like it. Uh, it's just uh, Dante's. Yep. Um, but definitely Rocco is probably one of my favorites. Rocco's. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, when I first visited his restaurant years ago, I, obviously pre-pandemic, his bar snack was bacon. <laughs> I'm so going to come. I'm going to come you, back. He had you right there. The bar snack of right. bacon. <laughs> that is unbelievable. That's great. The bar snack bacon. Hey man, is it? Does it? Um, three years old. So I got three boys. Ten, eight, six. Mm-hmm. Three is when they start to become pretty aware about what's going on. Like, can you see that in your son? Like, oh, dad was a dude. Like, does that is that starting yet? Yeah. Now I'm starting to have conversations with him, and now he'll he'll come in the room like you know during football season. He'll, it started with, Daddy, is there an all-white team? Is there an all-yellow team? Is there yeah. a purple team? So I started showing him, you know, uh, teams with uh, matching up the colors he wanted uh-huh. to see. And it just kind of progressed, as you said. Now he's like, oh, Daddy, you played here, right? He'll see my foot, my um, yeah. Cleveland memorabilia. And so it, it's fun. So that's why I definitely have to have him back, let him run on the field. Because that's a moment, man. If I had a chance yeah. when I was young, and I love football, diehard football fan, oh to goodness. run on the uh, NFL feel, that's a moment you'll never, you, you'll always take with you. 
They're like they, the the no amount doubt. of the, the pace that they hit it with <laughs> when you let them go. Yes, it's the fastest they've ever yes. run in their life. Yes. Oh man, when I was here last year, I was trying to get him on the field, but he was at that age. I was like, nah, he may run on the field. This could be bad. Let's put him in the press box away from any danger. But uh, it, it'll be fun to have him come back here and, and enjoy everything. Three-year-old you can reason with. A two-and-a-half-year-old, two-and-a-half. No, no, no chance. chance. No <laughs> chance. He's my first one. My yeah. first one. We're yeah. working on baby two, but it's been a blessing having him around. And, and now awesome. I get the chance to talk to him about, hey, daddy could play football a little bit. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. There's no doubt you could play football a little bit. <laughs> when you talked about going from here to India, I don't know if you got a chance to talk to Anthony Walker Jr. at all today, linebacker, and he went from Indy mm-hmm. to here. So kind yes. of, you know, the opposite, but similar, yeah. play similar position and everything. I think we were very similar in the way of his leadership. Under his, tackle uh, guys, under tackle you plus know, professionalism. Um, you know, I did a podcast last year for uh, the Colts, and, I mean, a lot of people talked about, you know, they were up in arms about him leaving because he was such an impactful leader, such a great locker room guy, and he was an asset on the field. So I look at this current situation with uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was one of my favorite linebackers coming out of the draft. Uh-huh. And because I, I saw myself, I was like, if I was athletic, if I was stronger, <laughs> if I was all these different <laughs> things, I would imagine myself looking like him. And so if he can get a ch- in my opinion, if he can get a chance to settle in and they carve out a special role for him, with the tutelage of and the experience from Anthony Walker, I think they can be a really special group with, uh, with the experience. When you think when you, you you mentioned JOK and he feels like he's ready to explode. Yes. I mean, he, there were certainly moments last year, but it feels like he's poised for an explosion. You know, we we start looking at the back seven in this defense with the linebackers and the secondary. It's an impressive group. It's mm-hmm. big. It's athletic. It's rangy. It feels like it has everything you need in modern football. It's, it's how much of of, Brown, of of the defense did you notice last year? And then just getting a look at it today, just kind of the makeup of it. What do you make of this this back seven? Yeah, I think the back. I mean, listen, Denzel Ward signed a massive contract this year. I think he's going to you know come out and have another stellar year because he wants to prove that he's worthy of those dollars. And you know, with the addition of who uh, was. We didn't draft any defensive backs, but I think the addition of um, uh, Jadavion Clowney, bringing yep. him back, Absolutely. is going to strengthen that back, the backs, you know, the back end of the defense and uh, some of the young guys uh, from, I believe it was uh, Oklahoma. Is it Oklahoma? Uh, we got Greg from Northwestern. Winfrey, Winfrey. Oh, Perry, Perry and Winfrey. Yeah. I'm, I'm, right. I'm, yeah, I'm looking to see how what type of impact he has in training camp and how he can, you know, help Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. And it all starts up front. Sure. You know, I, listen, I'm, I'm biased. Maybe I'm biased, but I know how important the front seven is. That helps the linebackers. It helps the timing of the defensive backs. It helps uh, – it gives confidence for the defensive backs to jump routes, to have confidence to do so because they know that quarterback on the opposing side has a small window to get the – release this ball or Jadavion Clowney, one of those guys up front will um, – you know, make their life a, a living, you know, you know what. But uh, I like this group. I really like this group. And, I, listen, the elephant in the room is what what's going to happen on the other side of the ball. Sure, sure. You know, yep. at the quarterback position. And I think that's a direct correlation of how well this defense could be. You don't want this defense getting tired. They have on paper, they look like they can compete, they will compete. But on the other side of the ball, you have to be able to sustain drives. You have yep. to be able to win the time of possession. And it's only going to help – a really good defense that's poised and, and has the guys to do it. 
No, you're right, and I think that's something that everybody hopes we're getting an answer to sooner rather than later, and it seems to be the feeling that we'll know exactly you know, how much the Browns will have Deshaun Watson for this season. To your point, Jacoby's done a good job out here as well. Guy oh, I like Jacoby. Played in Indy, as you know, uh, 31 touchdowns, 13 picks in his time there. But, yeah, you want to be elite on both sides. The Browns mm-hmm. have a chance to do that. Is it wild to you watching the evolution of the NFL and seeing that, like, you know, just how JOK's 220 – Right. The linebackers are 220. Safeties look like corners now. And, and, you know, like a big linebacker from back in the day, like you'd be at like a stand-up end or a Sam, you know what I mean? Or you'd be in a 3-4 rush outside linebacker. Is it crazy to see the evolution of the game where you have so many guys that are built the same and it's kind of positionless in the sense that everybody can run with everybody? You're exactly right. So the knock on me coming out of college was I was undersized. Can my body sustain the, the brutality of the game? And I was fortunate enough to play 11 seasons. I had some setbacks, but in the middle part of my career, you started to see a shift in the way offenses were, you know, playing offense. And it, w- it became this game of cover. Can linebackers cover? Yep. And can your D-line get after the passer? And you're right. It's, it's become a positionless um, sport. But, you know, I was talking to Harris, the defensive back, and he stood up. We were sitting down. He stood up. I'm like, damn, dude, you're bigger than me. Yeah, like, you should be in the box. Boy. You could be yeah. a linebacker. And he was like, yeah, they keep me in the box. And it's just funny to see how the evolution of the game is happening. You have to be able to face these you know, these teams that, that spread the field out. And obviously, the game is about mismatches. Yep. And, and if you can have a guy like Jeremiah, let's say, a guy that can cover, a guy that can play in the box, and he's strong enough and he's capable enough and he's willing to play and deal with – 300-pound linebackers, that's, that's very special and it's very rare to find, that combination of, of all of that. So, uh, it, it's, you know, who knows where the game is going to grow from here? Will it go back to, you know, when I walked into the league, it was the formations were very simple. It was two receivers, one tight end, two backs. Yeah, and they can only yeah, run a handful of plays. And uh, just to see the game evolve, I think, um, you know, I was when, I, when it was time for me to leave, I knew. I was like, my time is running out because I'm not the fastest guy, and you have me out covering slot receivers. Nah, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good to go. <laughs> so when you came in and you talked about kind of it was the pro set, and that's what they would always say. They run a pro-style pro offense set. in pro college. Style, the yep. pro set, you know, yep. the two two receivers, one tight end, the two running backs. The fullback was typically a part mm-hmm. of that. Um, when you think about the evolution, I was talking with Anthony Walker, and we're playing that interview later today. How much – because you mentioned they could only run certain – they only had certain concepts that they could run, certain plays that they could run out of that, you know, and, and maybe, and you could tell me, but back then if they called a cover three, like you knew what the cover <laughs> three was. Whereas right. now, yeah. outside with AWOC, you could have 30 different checks on a quote-unquote cover three call based on the formation, based on the pre-snap motion, if they moved into a bunch, if they go you know, one side of the formation the other. Mm-hmm. How many things linebackers, DBs actually have to think about in a very quick period of time to play sound defense in today's NFL? Yeah, it's very complicated, very complicated. You know, you talk about the cover three. Well, we had a call years ago. If we call cover three, we, we called it, okay, high school cover three. And then now it's variations of cover three. And, and you know who sparked this? It's a copycat league, let's say that, yep, right? Yep. And um, Seattle. Seattle majored in this cover three concept, yep. but it was it was a – it was an abbreviated cover three that turned into man. That was zone to man concept. And there was so many different levels. Of it. And then, as you mentioned, you know, the checks and formations. And I love that part of the game. When I was here with Ray Horton, I thought Ray Horton was one of the brightest defensive minds I'd ever played with because he gave me the freedom and the keys to meet with guys um, 
you know, outside of the building, whether in the building, they set out times for us to meet because I wanted to be able to, to check and audible, if you will, like offenses. I know we didn't have much time. We were up against the shot clock, and we were we probably at that year. I believe we were a top ten defense. Why? Because we had guys invested in the into the scheme and invested into putting that extra time in, so we could run variations of cover three and cover two and cover one and zone the man and different pressures. And that to me was the game within the game that I enjoy and that I do miss. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier um, about how you liked Jacoby. You guys, did you guys miss each other in India? Yeah, we just missed just each missed other. Just missed each other. Very realistically, he's going to obviously start some games for us this year. What, mm-hmm. what do you, when you say you like about him, what, what should fans who have just maybe aren't quite aware of everything that he can be uh, and, and the type of, the type of pl- player he can be for this team yeah, in the interim? One, for one, for a guy to walk into a situation, learn a scheme in one year, and be productive, you look at his time in Indy, it was up and down. But the guy wasn't given much rope to di- much, you know, sure, much room to to for error. And I saw a guy that was a, a professional. He competed. Guys wanted to play for him. He can make all the throws. And he's a guy that's been able to. He's been a, a guy that you can plug in anywhere. And he's gonna. He's gonna. He's he's your best option out here in terms of. Uh, he's not a top 10 quarterback, but he's a guy, if your your starter goes down, he's a guy that he can bridge the gap between, um, you know, he's going to win you some games. Yeah. He's going to win you some games. And I love what I – I think it's a great pickup by Andrew Barry to find this guy and to have a great problem in the quarterback room of all guys can play. All these guys can play aside from Dotson who, you know, he hasn't had much experience, but – uh, I think he's going to do well. I think guys are going to appreciate his level of competitiveness, and he can make every throw, and he's going to make guys better. Yeah, and he's he's a guy that just being around him, he's got a good presence about him. You can tell that the guys like him and yeah, they respect sure. him. And I'll say this last, it won't be his fault they're losing. Oh, no. He's not going to be that guy. He takes care of the football. He, he under, I'll say this, he understands his ability. He uh-huh. plays within himself, and he's not going to be someone that he's not. And what you see, the consist, he's going to play – consistent to his ability and that's what you have to appreciate about his game and i can tell you this they went to the Cavs facility last week and they had mm-hmm. a three-point shooting contest and he annihilated everybody <laughs> he's got a pure jumper and so he's got he's earned some respect i was trying to interview him about it and guys were giving him a bunch of crap about it and they were just jealous yeah, those, truth, quarterbacks, truth yeah. those quarterbacks truth shoot hurts, and man. they can play golf i'm jealous i'm very jealous <laughs> dequel i'll get you out of here on this one one of our favorite people that we have on the show regularly in football season every single week uh, we call him the hoff joe thomas because obviously it's yeah. a matter of time. Uh, do you have a, uh, a Joe Thomas story you can share for us from your time playing with the Hoff? Oh, so he uh, – I'm glad you said that. So uh, Joe used to throw, like, really great parties. That really great parties in his me house. in the least. And one year he had a Halloween costume party. And my wife and I, we were in the Breaking Bad at the time, so we dressed up in these hazmat suits. Worst decision ever, going to a party. It was hot as hell. <laughs> but he had this karaoke machine, and – when I tell you I'd never seen this side of Joe, it was impressive. I didn't know the guy could sing and move like that. And it was a great night. Great <laughs> night. So you have to ask him about it next time. We will. He is a character. I, and I imagine there was good food at his party. Oh, absolutely. I bet oh, there yeah. was good food. And lots of it. Yes. I have, I have a DQ52 story. Okay. He, I, when I worked at KNR full-time, I was, the, I was the program director at the time. And he would come on the really big show oh, yeah. every week. Yeah. And the one week he came on, we were in the middle of an ice storm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh and man! He, it, it might have the the car might have gotten away from him a little bit. 
it, it, maybe the tires, whatever the case might be. Yeah. Get a little loose. I, I think he took out a couple mailboxes in the neighborhood. Yeah, it was going bad. down a hill, no, and it was bad. all live on the air. It was live. So, <laughs> oh come on! So so here here's my version. At least though, at a happy right? ending, like you're here. Like, yeah yeah you're yeah. Like, we're okay. No, like, that's a terrifying not situation. Much, not much damage was made, but uh, I had some really uh, great neighbors. Let's say that. So, you know, I you know I played at Maryland, and you know we dealt with. A little bit. A little bit of snow, but I didn't know what, what truly a blizzard looked like. And yeah. I had this small little BMW, you know, car, and I just could not. I was spinning out of control. <laughs> I was on my way into the station. I'm like, I can't make it. So I turn around, and it's getting up to the – it's getting close to that time. I have to be on air. So I call in, and I'm live, and I'm, I can see my house. I'm a block away. I make the left-hand turn. I fishtail. I lose control. I hit a – thank goodness, a concrete <laughs> or a brick mailbox – and I was – I think they were asking me a question. I just I just froze. I'm like, guys, I just hit a mailbox. <laughs> They're like, what? What What happened? I'm like, I, I lost control. And now the discussion, we started talking about me losing control and all this sure. stuff. It was, it, was, it was fun. Well, it wasn't fun when it happened, but it's no. fun to talk about it now. Yes. Yeah, that okay. was one of my – Right. Yeah. Nobody that's that's unbelievable. <laughs> it's been great having you, man. Absolutely. Great talking yeah. to you. Thanks Good for having me. You. Coming up next in this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, our conversation with Andrew Marchand, sports media columnist at the New York Post. You're going to get smarter, kids. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. If a car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury, call the injury lawyers at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. For what's going on in NFL media, there's only one man to talk to. That's Andrew Marshan of the New York Post. He joined us. Here's that conversation. I don't know if we've ever seen anything like it in television sports, what happened this year in the musical chairs uh, in the NFL announcing berth. A- Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Let's start there. What set this thing off, this merry-go-round with, with these guys in the booth and the prices that were given out and the movement that we saw? It all started with Tony Romo. When he came in, he was a cessation. Uh, he was under a three-year contract that was for around $10 million. And then when his deal came up, it was right before the overall TV deals um, were being negotiated or about to be negotiated for the long-term deals between the NFL and the networks like CBS, ESPN, Fox, NBC, et cetera. And CBS had Romo. ESPN wanted Romo for Monday night and also just to help them in their bid, at least in their eyes. Uh, And so uh, they offered him 10 years and $140 million. Uh, CBS came back, offered him 10 years for an overall total of $180 million, and Romo stayed at CBS. Uh, But that kind of was in the background. Uh, when that happened, Ake Troikman wanted that type of money. Uh, he was making around $10 million uh, or so, give or take, um, from, uh, from Fox. And you know, then he was a free agent, was going to go to Amazon and split his time between Amazon and Fox. And then ESPN came in, got Troy Aikman, got um, Joe Buck for uh, huge contracts that um, Joe Buck was five years, $75 million, and – Troy Aikman's five years, ninety million. Man, it, it's that the Buck part of it is fascinating to me because he has been the only face of Fox Sports since its existence. I mean, he's it; he's the whole thing. Um, what? 
beyond the money, why was Fox not? Were they not willing to match that for him? Um, and and was was it was this just a money play for him, or did he want a, a change of pace? Because you think about what think about being the face of a network as long as he was, he was kind of there. He was there, Nance. You know, for for a long, long time. Yes. So uh, Joe Buck had done the World Series for twenty four years, uh, and you know he could have kept going as long as he wanted. Uh, he had one year remaining on his contract. So what happened was after Aikman went, uh, ESPN was either going to team uh, Aikman with Joe Buck or Al Michaels. Um, and uh, Fox wanted to keep Joe Buck. Uh, but for Buck, he was able to go and be with his teammate, who he liked working with in Troy Aikman, and he got a substantial raise from around $9 million to $15 million a year. And he cut his workload in half. He's not hmm. doing baseball anymore, and he's just doing the NFL. So that's a pretty good deal when you think about it. You get an extra <laughs> six million dollars, and your year basically ends in. And they don't have a Super Bowl for a while, so it basically ends in the middle of January, uh, and then you don't go right into baseball like you did before. He would have probably given up baseball after this year uh, if he had stayed. Fox countered and offered him twelve million dollars um, a year, but uh, but he went with. Uh, ESPN, it's kind of a second career for him, but um, yeah, it's a pretty good deal uh, when you look at it overall. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, more more pay, less work. Feels like a win to me. You know, a lot of people ask me, one of the lines I've been using on the show when we were discussing all of this and we were in the heat of all of this is, and people say, why you make so, no one's paying this, you know, no one's watching a game for an announcer. But I think what has happened here, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, but these guys have become essentially faces of the network. There was a time that the face of ESPN or most ABC, NBC, maybe it's Seinfeld or the cast of Friends, or there was a time when it was the network news hosts, that they were kind of the faces of the network. These guys have become that. These are the biggest shows on network television, our sporting events, especially the NFL, and so that's why this money is what it is, is it not? Because when you go to meet advertisers, and we'll get to the Brady thing in a second, you say, well, here's what you get. Here's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They are ESPN. Well, look, uh, the money is outrageous, quite honestly. Like, I, I told you that Romo was making, you know, in his first contract when he went to be the number one analyst at CBS, he was making $10 million over three years, right? Now he makes almost double that in one year, and he has a 10-year deal that adds up to $180 million. So just go with the overall impression. You know, the, the number is crazy. But the justification, and this has kind of always been agent talk, and now the executives sort of are, are parroting it, is that, well, we're already paying billions of dollars for these games, and now uh, we're going to uh, – to the announcers should make you know this much money. Now, I, I think you make a pretty good argument that they should make a lot of money because of the unique skill, especially the analysts, the former players are mostly Hall of Famers. Uh, they just can command that type of money because they don't have to do it. Uh, but when you look at the value – so then you look at the value. There's the number of the, – the amount of money we're talking about add up to the value – of what they do, I would say it does not. However, I do think they're important. I do think that over time, your enjoyment of a game when it's a top-quality broadcast does go up, and that does um, the the diehard fan is going to notice it and enjoy a game more and kind of spread the word more that you know you got to watch this game because there's more enjoyment overall. And then that fringe fan, you can bring them in if you have the right people calling the game. So there is value. Um, you know, does it add up to ratings points? You know, maybe not, but I think over time it is important. 
And most importantly, why this also happens is that um, maybe it doesn't matter in negotiations, but the league, the NFL at the top ranks, um, makes it um, tells the, the, these networks it's important to them that they get big names and get it right on their broadcast. So uh, that's why you have ESPN spending so much money on Buck and Aikman. And the other, let's stay with ESPN for a second, because not only do they have Buck and Aikman, but they put a lot into the Manning cast from a promotional mm -hmm. situation a year ago. That's a little easier when it's Levy and Greasy and Riddick uh, than it is when it's Buck and, and Aikman. What is that going to look like uh, this season? Yeah, the old adage is we have two quarterbacks, that means you have none. Uh, and now uh, ESPN <laughs> right. on Monday, they have three quarterbacks, right? I mean, who are you starting? I think you have to start Peyton. And Aikman's your backup, and uh, Eli's your third string. Uh, yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah, look, they have a lot, and it's a lot of money. They're going to be spending around $50 million or so uh, per year on their broadcast booth. I mean, that is a substantial amount of money. Uh, but I know that ESPN kind of views Peyton Manning as their most important personality that they have a relationship with. Now you could say, well, isn't Stephen A. or Scott Van Pelt or – Will Bond and Kornheiser, maybe they're more important. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're on daily, and, and yeah, but but to, that took a long time for ESPN to get that relationship with Peyton Manning. They had to work on it for years, uh, and then to finally uh, consummate it, and it really went well for them. Uh, the Manning cast kind of changed some of the perception of Monday Night Football. Uh, Troy and Joe will also change that perception, and probably most importantly, the deal that they just signed going forward with the NFL is for – more games each year will go up to 25 games for ESPN uh, in total in a year or two. And they will also have flexible scheduling towards the end of the season. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where the bread is buttered. And, you know, they'll tell people like me, you know, behind the scenes will say that, they, you know, Aikman's contract already paid for itself uh, because they, they, were, they added, uh, they raised their advertising rates and they got the money. Uh, you know, if that's true, I, I don't see the numbers. I can't tell you for certain, right. but that's what they'll tell you. So it used to be um, th this gets to the next because a lot of it's about perception too. And you you had that you had that line about uh, the previous answer about you know this matters to the NFL that there's a, a top level broadcast group here, and that I think has been some of the things that's. I mean, you can even see that in the games that ESPN has gotten through the years. And so that gets me to the hierarchy question. Uh, I'm old enough, Andrew, to remember a time where Monday Night Football was the game, and then that transitioned and it became Sunday Night Football, became the game. Now this is spread out. You've, and we haven't even talked about this Amazon product on Thursday night with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, but now you got Buck and Aikman on Monday. Has NBC and Sunday Night Football, has it fallen off what it used to be a little? Yeah, I don't think so. I think when you look at their schedule, uh, they got a really nice schedule for NBC, although Mike Tirico uh, as the play-by-play -play guy as they chose to have him replace Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football. Uh, as their lead announcer on the games. Uh, and then Chris Collinsworth remains as the analyst. I think their games are still as, just as good, um, I think, uh, and they will remain that way. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I do think uh, ESPN, there's just more glamour to it, right? It's just, uh, you know, there's, there's people listening right now who have opinions on Buck and Aikman. Some people probably yeah. hate them. But it does feel big time with those guys, right? You're used to them on Fox for 20 years doing the biggest games on Fox and doing Super Bowls, and now they're on Monday night, uh, and they'll make a big deal about it. And it will have a bigger feel to it. And their schedule was pretty good. Um, was it amazing? I don't know if it was amazing, but it was pretty good. 
um, and better than maybe it has been, and that's all very subjective. You know, the season, you know, things happen during a season make a game look good uh, right now, and then it's not good in week 14. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I think NBC's still there. Then obviously Amazon, that's going to be, um, you know, a shock to some people's system in terms of Thursday night being exclusively on Amazon Prime, so you have to have that service to watch Thursday night football unless the Browns are playing, and they'll also be on your local service. Sure. Wanted to ask you about Tom Brady. Are, are we sure he's going to be good at this? No, we're not. Because I watch him on the golf, Andrew, and I'm like, if he's not, it's an, he's not Manning on the mic. He's definitely not Manning on the mic. It's a heck of an investment, man. Yeah, I mean, I think if, so if you, you ask me, we, we don't know. But I, if I were to guess, I'd say I'm going to go with it, he will be good. Uh, okay. If he, because I just think, first off, he'll, he'll be right off the field. So he'll know all the defenses. Um, I think he'll be working with a good partner in Kevin Burkhart. And I think that uh, he'll want to be good. I don't think he's a guy who, like, half, um, you know, goes half speed on anything. And so uh, those reasons are the ones that I think um, are the reasons that he'll probably excel at it. Now, how long he'll do it for? Is there a chance he never even does it? Yeah, I think those are all in play, personally. Um, You know, they kind of – I uh, kept going up and up, and then he agreed to do it. But uh, I don't think that uh, this is necessarily a dream come true. That said, um, Tom Brady can make a lot of money, and he's already started a lot of businesses, You know, even though he's playing. Uh, I don't know if there's another place that it's so easy for him to make $37.5 million guaranteed. No. <laughs> no, you make a very valid point there. I'll get you out here on this one. Really have enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I want to ask you about college football for a moment, uh, which has become really the second – uh, from a from a viewership standpoint, the second most popular sport in this country. Um, from a from a contract standpoint, we hear all about this SEC deal with ESPN and reportedly upwards of ninety million or something like that per team, and that I assume will get bigger as they add Texas and Oklahoma and those type of things. They continue to renegotiate. We're in Big Ten country. Um, it appears that it's going to be a Fox primary deal, but then who's the dance partner? What can you tell us on that? And what's the timetable? And how big do you think that deal will be? So uh, I do a podcast with John Oran from the Sports Business yep. Journal, and he, he said that uh, he thinks it's going to be for a billion dollars. So I'll go with that number uh, per year for the Big Ten, uh, which when you say that number, you say, well, maybe the uh, uh, you know maybe the players do deserve a little money. Uh, so yeah. uh, a billion dollars a year. Uh, Fox, that they're going to remain as one partner, and then the other ones could be, could be CBS in a late window maybe NBC in a primetime window. So could you have a triple header of network television uh, for um, for the Big Ten? Yeah. And I also think Amazon Prime could be in play. Uh, and so, you know, how that ultimately works out, they're still kind of figuring it out exactly. But I do think they will have a digital component. I think Amazon has come in really strong, so that will be part of it. But then you could have your top games uh, being on. And, you know, ABC, ESPN, you can't um, discount them yet. Uh, they could be involved as well, uh, but they have the SEC deal coming up. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's a changing landscape in college football. I mean, the game is going to change over the next 10 years. You know, you just can't imagine it. It's already – we're already seeing that, but it's going to be even more dramatic, I think, uh, in terms of where this NIL stuff is going to go. Uh, and so um, – but, yeah, so I, you, you will have Fox back involved, and then I, I think that you'll have at least one other network partner, so NBC, CBS, or ABC – and then uh, uh, and maybe even two of those three. 
Uh, and then I think there'll be a digital player with Amazon most likely. Coming up next in this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily Z goes one-on-one behind the curtain of the NFL Network with Colleen Wolf. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back into this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. One of the most enjoyable things, certainly for us and all of you out there, was the pregame show on the NFL Network on Thursday nights with the Hoff and Colleen Wolf and, of course, Steve Smith and everybody else involved. At the Combine, Z went behind the curtain of our favorite pregame show with Colleen Wolf. Let's have a listen. Very happy now to be joined by a friend of the friend of the program, Joe Thomas. Colleen Wolf, host of what I thought was the best show in all of football. Not, that's, I'm being serious when I say that. NFL Network, where you can catch her. So let's talk about that. We have talked to Bo and I on this show many times, Z with the Hoff. We thought that that was, in our minds, the equivalent of Inside the NBA with Shaq and Chuck and you know EJ and Kenny the Jet. How fun was it doing that show? That show has been the best experience of my career. It, I, I can't even truly describe how much fun it was working on the road with those three personalities. <laughs> and to be able, it was a traveling circus we were. And it was, and it went on during the breaks. It went on behind the scenes. Like you guys only saw a sliver of the craziness that would. I mean, I feel like I had so many stories that I started to write them down because I would forget things that happened. It was like my news cycle in my head of just experiences was just unbelievable. But. Obviously, working with Michael Irvin, who you just put the quarter in and you don't know what's going to come out, but he's going to go and he's going to go in so many different directions. And Steve Smith Sr., you never know what's going to come out of his mouth, but you always know where you stand with him and and where he stands on a certain subject. So he makes things extremely interesting. And Joe Thomas is one of the best. We love I love him so much. Like I have had so many meals with Joe Thomas, with that entire crew. He's a tremendous eater, by the way. Oh tremendous. My God. And I just, I still can't get over when I look at the photos of him from when he played to now. It's like two different people. And like when I give him a hug, it's like hugging a piece of granite. Like yes. it's unbelievable. He's, he's, he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> he's a beast. He's chiseled out of stone. So what's so fun about that show, and you kind of hit on a lot of it, is just how fun it was, especially when you guys got to have the crowds back and feel uh. that energy. But I mean, Steve Smith would sometimes just like, body bag somebody out of nowhere and and you guys would be like and joe's looking around like what just happened and i just kind of liked i just thought that was so fun to watch that dynamic steve smith would body bag uh someone out of nowhere but usually it would be the quarterback of the browns (laughs) happened that happened many times uh and we would in fact i remember the one thursday night game it was playing, I think, in the stadium okay. because in beforehand they like play that around all the monitors, yeah. and I'm like, "What is going on?" And Joe's like, "No, no, no!" Joe's like, "Come on, man, come on!" But I think that's fun because you know when you're watching that show that it is real. Like you can produce Steve Smith, you can produce Irv as much as you want, but they're gonna say whatever it is is on their mind at that moment. And that's why that show was so much fun because it was so chaotic. And the chaos is where I thrive. It's where they thrive. I love when a rundown can just be completely ripped up. And we're like, you know what? We were supposed to have this conversation, but what you just said is really crazy. So can you please expand on that right now? And then to be back on the road with fans, like you said, 
after the year that we did the pandemic where we were all at our houses and they had me in the studio, this like big cavernous studio alone, I was just so happy to be able to sit at a desk and see them next to me and then the, have the like the energy of the fans it it's something that I've never experienced and having the ability to go to all these different cities and be in all these stadiums and see all these different fan bases and all of the signs and everyone's traveled from all over and everyone has stories and being able to talk with everyone and hear them hear those stories from the fans has just been such a life-altering experience. It's been really cool. I love it. It's great, and it comes through, obviously, on the screen. The one thing I want to ask, you mentioned being in front of the fans. I thought Philly was probably, for a variety of reasons, and I'll get into those in a second, my favorite of all the shows oh, yeah. because the <laughs> fans were bonkers. You had Joe flapping his wings like an eagle in Irv's face, Irv hating it. Oh. Hating it, genuine, a genuine like maybe they were going to come to blows. And then, what goes through your mind when they throw the beer and hit Steve Smith, and he has the fastest snap around, and like Joe's like, I thought he was going to go kill somebody. <laughs> Wait, so I think that when that happened, I'm I'm so used to all three of their personalities that I someone was like you just continued to clean up all of your stuff and you didn't even think twice about it and I was like nah, yeah like I know Steve's gonna be fine like he's gonna like get mad about that well because like it most that beer mostly hit him yeah. and I didn't know what happened and then apparently it was like a situation where someone was on someone else's shoulders with the beer and then like they fell and so it wasn't like and it, yes but still, that didn't help things. He was hot for a second after that. And and then Irv's talking about Philly fans. And I was like, shut up, Irv. Like, this is <laughs> – be quiet. It was great television, though. And I'm sure that you probably deal with a lot of – I would imagine you have a producer in your ear being like, can you try to control this? And oh. it's sometimes – there's no, I cannot control this. Yeah. And, and they'll be like, okay, like, rap. You got to rap them. And I'm like, do you want me to physically get up and take the microphone away from them? I'm like, you guys can cut his mic. Go yeah. ahead and you do it. Exactly. Right. But that's the best stuff when they get when they start to get on each other about things and you can see them sort of start to spiral that's when I'm like I don't know if I should intervene because this is really entertaining I'm just watching it like everyone else so when you guys came to Cleveland this year was that kind of fun to feel that passion because I know you have so many passionate fan base out there ours I would put up against any I think it is it is bonkers the love you know that you have and players feel it Joe certainly knows that what was it like to get to come to Cleveland again this year I love going to Cleveland and I love going to Cleveland with Joe Thomas it's like go it's like being with royalty and I still will never forget it was one of my first ever TNF games and it was the first time I worked with Joe Thomas and it was when the Browns played the Jets two years ago three two years ago 2018 Tyrod Taylor was there. He got hurt, and then Baker came in the second half. Victory fridges. And the beers came out, and I have never seen Joe Thomas. He's such a large human being, and he looked like a little kid. Like, the joy on his face during that game, it was such an experience. And honestly, I like... 
there are so many games that I'm like, I don't even know what happened last year, but I will never forget being in Cleveland for that moment, being at the airport the next day. And there, everyone, everyone was so happy. It was just such a joyous occasion. And so, like, I, and even this year, being there with Joe, like, having the best tour guides of all tour guides, he is just such an incredible human being. I love his whole entire family, and he makes Cleveland special. Coming up next in this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, our conversation with new edge rusher Chase Winovich. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's lots of bad advice out there about gambling, from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. The miss can lose you money and get you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at KeepItFunOhio.com. And now a conversation Z had with one of our new favorites, Browns edge rusher Chase Winovich. Here he is with Z. Draft weekend, exciting time for guys coming into the league. And let's go back to yours. You're coming out of Michigan. The hair is flowing. You're feeling great about yourself. What was kind of your mindset going into that draft? I knew I just needed one team to believe in me for uh, an opportunity. And thankfully, the Patriots um, pulled the trigger and got me. And yeah, it was a crazy time sitting in front of a TV while everyone watches you, you know, watch the TV, watch your phone. Uh, just there's a lot of emotions, a lot of anxiety waiting to find out where, you know, what team you're going to play on, what position you could play. But it's pretty cool. It's very cool. It's, first of all, it's, it's the culmination of a dream, right? And then it starts another dream because your goals will then change. But getting the league, obviously, a huge accomplishment. So for you, you go in the third round, which is an early pick, day two pick there, by the New England Patriots. Prior to them calling you, did you have an idea the Patriots were into you? Did you think maybe there was another team like, oh, I'm probably going to go to this team? How was like in terms of kind of the pre-draft process and all the meetings and whatever? Did you have an idea who was it? Who was who was digging the Chase Winovich experience? Yeah, I'd say there's probably ten teams or so which I um, had a feeling that you know might pick me, but ultimately I didn't know. So it's pretty pretty crazy. So the phone rate, you're sitting there, you get a phone call. Was the first phone call you got the one that ended up being the draft? Because sometimes you get calls like, oh, we're going to pick you next, and something crazy happens, and it doesn't end up happening. Was that the first call you got from a team, the Patriots? Yeah, that was the first call I got. So I had a thumb surgery at the time, so my hand was in a cast. So I couldn't play, like, most of the, uh, the newer video games just because you need a thumb. But sure. fortunately, I was able to play. Cast. Right, I was able to play Super Smash Bros. on N64, uh, with some of my friends and we were in my my parents bedroom we were we were playing and all of a sudden my phone started ringing and it said Massachusetts and I was obviously ecstatic figuring out uh you know that I was going to the Patriots and uh, it was a great feeling for sure to finally have a uh, a feather in my cap in terms of you know moving on to like the the next uh, chapter of my life and all the hard work leading up to that event you know my time in Michigan going back to high school and uh, everything leading up to the draft is no joke either. So yeah. it was pretty nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and a great thing you said about 10 teams. Were the Browns one of those 10 teams? Mm, I don't think so. No? Okay. Well, listen, their interest in you has blossomed now in, in the year 2022 as they made the move to go and bring you in. So, you know, you were obviously very well known at Michigan. You guys had a very good football team. 
what was it like going from being kind of like a big man on campus, right? And a leader on that defense and then joining an NFL team. And especially for you joining the Patriots where now you're a rookie and I'm sure you're trying to fit in after being, you know, the guy that everybody was looking up to now you're going and you're like, where do I fit here in the NFL? Yeah, I'd say it's a lot. I mean, New England's um, an interesting place to join up with in the first place, Yeah, but it's there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, you're at the time I was entering a locker room of Tom Brady and uh, some other veteran players, and um, I was just doing what I always try to do. I try to uh, I try to learn as much as I can uh, about everything that I can. Yeah, and ultimately, I, I mean, I, I'd say it worked out. Um, it's yeah, but it's a, it's a lot. It is a uh, a very interesting process. But I, I'd say change in general is never necessarily easy uh but most of the time it works out for the best yeah and the fact that i'm a brown today shows that it it certainly has so far yeah well absolutely and ab wasn't as you came out in the what 2018 draft 19 draft 19 2019 2019 yeah so ab wasn't here yet so that's a different was a different crew so now that's what i mean it was it was a different crew so yeah. that's why i uh i don't think I, I don't know, though. I mean, to be honest, the Patriots, I had a meeting with them. I thought it went well, but at the same time, it's a very stoic meeting. It's a very, tell us about this play here, you know, type of meeting. So uh, I left there and I was like, oh, that meeting went really well or really bad. I don't know. <laughs> well, so the fact they picked me, uh, it went, well. went pretty, pretty well. Yeah, you nailed that one. And now here you are with the Browns. What's it been like to get around your teammates? Because you seem to you strike me as a guy that probably loves being around the guys, loves being in the locker room, the camaraderie and all of that and getting to get in here and finally get some workouts and meet everybody. Yeah, it's been great. I've really enjoyed getting to meet my teammates and it just seemed like uh, they just got a great vibe to them. You know, there's a lot of uh, really amazing guys, super talented, obviously, on the field, but uh, you know, I don't really see any of that stuff right away. It's all about like their personalities and just like uh, just a feel thing. And I, I mean this wholeheartedly. I, I'm loving it uh, so far, man. I'm having a great time. Uh, the workouts are going really well. The guys are getting after it. We're getting stronger. Uh, we're getting smarter. The coaches are doing a great job teaching us the uh, the installs and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Do you love getting in the weight room? I, I imagine you like throwing the weights around. And this is a, a pretty fun strength staff that we've got here. Yeah, it is. Now the strength staff is really cool. They have a uh, a great great process towards things, in terms of like slicing it up by expertise and uh, just a great philosophy, which is is big, because uh, it all starts kind of like what's your vision for things. Um, but no, I, I love I love lifting weights. I love testing my body in any capacity. I take a cold shower every day. I how cold? Uh, like freezing? As cold as I can get it. Jeez. And that's for, is that for recovery or is that just a test? You like to test yourself every day. Is that just for a test? Well, I started doing it uh, a while ago, but I, I found like, I always say this and I know this is silly, but just bear with me. There's a, there's something to be said for, and this is going to be, this is going to be a, a wild jump, I guess, but like, like messing with people sometimes can be fun in a playful way, obviously. Sure. And nothing can mess with people more in terms of like, it doesn't really have like a harmful impact unless you like, I guess you have really big fingers or something, but like giving somebody a wet willy, it's like, for whatever reason, they just like, uh, they, people like freak out. Like if you want yeah. to make this to somebody like your, your daughters or your kids or your, your whoever, it's like, uh, 
or your buddies like doesn't I mean it doesn't matter I guess but it's like people freak out you know it's like for having such a little impact like there's no actual consequence to giving somebody what Willie I mean like you know you're probably not going to get like right. injured or anything but people like hate it it's just a terrible feeling yeah uh cold showers are kind of like that uh in a different way where it's like it's free it's literally like people for the most part most of the people that I hang out with at least uh at least I hope uh take showers every day that's right. So if you figure that they're in the water every day, like all they have to do at the end of the shower, just turn it to cold. Just like, just, it doesn't have to even be, it doesn't have to be freezing. Just cold enough that you could sit there and it's like uncomfortable. And you could hear this part of your brain say, whoa, turn that up. Yeah, heat me this up. It's freezing. And it's like, if you just sit there and just remind yourself that, listen, I'm not going to die. Like I'm, I'm going to be okay. And like, sure enough, you do that for a couple of days. And honestly, you like, you begin to like, really just like, you like it. Like, I, I honestly love taking cold showers now. Like, I, I think that uh, like, after I get out, I, I feel alive. I feel like energized. And it's like, it's one of those things that you have to experience. But uh, the rate, the, the difference between the amount, how free it is and accessible it is to how powerful it is, is like the comparison ultimately between that and what Willie's. It's like, I like that. That's it's right. not really harmful, but people hate it. Well, I'd imagine now you're like, you must, a cold tub, you laugh at that. Other guys are like, I don't want to go in the cold tub. You're probably like, yeah, whatever. Like cold tub doesn't even phase you. You're training. Yeah, cold, cold tubs are so tough. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I don't, I don't mind getting in a cold tub. Uh, my, it's a little different, but it's like, uh, it's, it affects your response a little differently. I, I'd get in a cold tub, not necessarily like challenge my toughness, which you can, uh, or to become mentally tougher. But um, as a modality of recovery, rather yeah, sure for your body, yeah, absolutely, exactly. I like this. Right, so the cold shower, I'll, I'll try. I'll take it for a spin in the summer. Yeah. I don't mind doing that. Doesn't have like to. Doesn't do have to be freezing. Just, just listen. Just don't have any music playing. Just turn at, at the end of your shower. So okay. you've already, you've already finished up. Just yeah. sit there and just, just turn it cold. Like just to not. It doesn't have to be all the way. And just sit there and listen. Just feel and and and. and observe those thoughts that pop into your mind it's like if, if you operate in that sort of like you know like type of fear anxiety ridden like state of consciousness like in everything you do it's just like you're a bully you're getting bullied essentially by this like subconscious system that like they don't really teach us about in school but uh, I something I, I didn't realize you were like you were a philosopher kind of like a, a wellness guy you know it reminds you what you're talking about like the cold showers, and I don't know if you ever heard of Wim Hof, this like breathing thing where you can like hold, end up holding your breath for like three minutes or something insanely. You can train your body. Then we can train our body to do pretty amazing things. Yeah, they really can. I mean, think about it. If you got an iPhone, if, you know, if you never had a phone before, first thing you probably want to do is like read the manual. You know, it's like we're not really given a manual on how to use the most complicated system on earth, which is our body. This is fantastic. I really, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this thoroughly. I think like, are there, have you found a lot of other like-minded people? Like one day you got to talk to Joe Thomas, the Hoff, and I'd imagine, I don't know, I know he's on the other side of the ball, but offensive line coach, Scott Peters, it, they both kind of, I feel like they operate in a similar way to you do in terms of how they see the world and how they try to apply that to better themselves. Yeah, no, I've seen some of Joe Thomas's tweets and I definitely think we're on a similar vibe. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's always more to learn. I'm sure they can teach me something, you know, through his time. Uh, you don't do 10,000 some plays by accident uh, in a row. So yeah. 
Maybe you can knowledge. teach me. By the way, good knowledge. Coming to the squad, you already know the 10,363. I like that. Yeah, 10,363. That's it. I'm going to try these cold showers. I'm going to do that. I want to talk to you about golf, though, because we were we were talking. We got to tee it up now. I, you're a golfer. When did you become into the into the game of golf? And how would you describe your game? So last year, I was staying up in this place in Portsmouth. This, this uh, woman named Trish was uh, so generous to allow my, my friends slash business partners uh, to, to get posted up in. And so we got a private chef and, um, you know, was working out every day like a beast. And I would go outside and, you know, we would do, uh, we called it the, the Wentworth uh, Championship or something along those lines. Uh, Cause that's the golf course we were on and we, it was just one, one hole, but it was like beautiful right on the water. And, uh, and I hit this one shot with this woman seven and the, you know, the, the number may be going up, you know, as time goes on. But uh, my, my friend said it was the farthest he's ever seen someone hit a seven iron. I think it was, might've been like 250 yards. Like it was, it was, it was, it was it was a bomb. It was an absolute bomb. At that point, I just like, I, I just thought that was fun. I thought that was cool, like uh, playing that. So yesterday I went out, um, I was with uh, my former teammate, a um, somebody I went to the University of Michigan with, and uh, Jared Goff was with us too. Oh, wow. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Uh, it was a nice competitive match. They, they helped us. They helped me some points along the way with my swing and stuff. But uh, they, they they gave us a handicap, but we did come out with the victory. So no big deal from the team in and out. right there. And I made let's you, go. You hit bombs. There's something. So I come from like a, a my dad not so much golf, but my uncle played at Stanford way 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 back in the day. And so, but I remember, and it's funny you say that. So the first shot that I ever got to hit was actually with a seven wood. He let me hit when I was in. It was summer between eighth grade and my freshman year of high school is when I learned how to play golf. And that's what I ended up playing in college was golf. And I just remember the first you played time in I college. Played. I didn't know that. We got to get out there. Yeah, we'll get out there. I can we, I can slap the ball around a little bit. But okay, so when you hit like your seven iron, you hit that, and that feeling when you hit it pure and you hit a bomb, you're just like, oh man. And that's I yeah. when he took me to the range the first time, I hit one shot like that, and I hit it pure. And he goes, "That's it. We're going home." And I was like, "What do you mean? Yeah. Like that was the best? I just wanted to keep hitting balls." He's like, "Exactly. We're going home." And so the next day, as soon as I woke up, I was like, "Can we go back to the range, please?" You know, Uncle Zago. And he was like, "All right, let's go." And then I Uncle Zago, that's awesome. Zago. Yeah, That's guy, cool. A legend, a legend. Well, you're going to be, I think, obviously become a legend fast with our, with our fans. And it's great to get to, to talk so. to you. And all right, I'm taking the, the, the Chase Winovich cold shower challenge. I think give it. Okay. Do it too. Okay. Do it. Cold shower challenge is, is literally so free. It's right there. Just like right there. before you turn it off, just like pause and like, just, like, just wait. Like I'm telling minute. you, like there will be a part of your brain that speaks to you and just like i don't want to say like the word to describe uh that that type of voice that comes out but it's not it's not tough it's not like a spartan that 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 comes to speak it's like get out of the shower it's freezing you know like it's it's more along those lines your thoughts you're in your you're getting into your inner self exactly which is we that's the only way we experience the world anyways like you can't experience it from somewhere else We're, we're stuck inside these bodies so that's right. Well, then I listen and you're, you're making the most of yours, which is a wonderful thing. So keep doing, doing what I can, buddy. <laughs> That's right. That's what we're all doing, right? We're all doing what we can. Coming up next to the special edition of Cleveland Browns daily, our conversation with Marcus Santos Silva from the hoops to the gridiron. That story coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. 
Welcome back into this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. And now our conversation with Texas Tech star turned NFL tight end Marcus Santos Silva with Z and I. Let's start with this. For, for the folks who aren't aware, you, you are a guy who aspired to be a professional basketball player and played it at a very high level in the Big 12 at Texas, Texas Tech. How do you end up in, with the Cleveland Browns playing football? Um, so uh, what happened was, like, yeah, um, I used to play football when I was seven until I was in high school. And the next thing you know, uh, my freshman year, I, I started to love basketball more. And I started to take it serious. And then it just led me all the way to Tech. And then right after our season was over, we played Duke in the Sweet 16. I uh, was going. I was doing the whole NBA route, but I wasn't really getting calls by like NBA teams. I was getting more overseas calls. And then the football coach at Tech called me, and he was like, "Hey, I'm just. Get, I've been getting a lot of calls from you for NFL teams that are wondering if you would do the switch." And the next thing you know, it. I started to think about it, and then once I decided to take it serious, like two weeks, like a week, a week later, I ended up having a workout with the Browns. So, what was that workout like? You come out to the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. What was that workout like for you? What did they put you through, and how did you think you did? Um, so I, I came out here. They flew me out like on a Sunday night. Came in. Monday morning, went and did a physical, and then I just did I, around in the afternoon. I came into the facility. They had me do like a regular like pro day, basically run a 40, run a 5.10.5, did the lane jumps, and then after that, I ran routes and I did blocking right after. Marcus, when did when when these when this stuff first starts trickle, you know, trickling your way, and the information and the interest is there. What what is that like in inside your head of like, yeah, I think I can do this. W- when did that happen? When did you start to train? When did it start to be something you thought, man, maybe this is the path? Because someone of your basketball talents could absolutely play, wh- whether it was in the league or overseas. I'm sure you still have options to do that if you wanted to. But what made you ter- make this decision at this point? Um, so my sophomore year at my other school I went to, VCU, yeah. uh, I started to get like, People was telling me like NFL teams was like already like interested in me because we had a we had a player there uh, named Mo Ali Cox who's the starting tight end yep. with the Colts and sure. I'm real, we're real we're real close and he did the switch so then like I think scouts started to see me over there and like people was asking like would you conserve it and I thought it was way too early to do it because I still wanted to see where this basketball was going to pan out. And then next thing you know, as the years go on, more talk kept on coming about it. And then uh, right after the Duke game, that happened. And then once I decided to, like, fully commit it, I started to work out, like, a good, uh, I want to say a good week and a half before my workout. And then I came up here, did it. They signed me. And then now with the whole process, I feel like I'm going to just be, I'm a I'm 100% committed in this whole thing. I really want to make this work out because I've been actually having a lot of fun with it. So when you come up here, you do the workout, and Adam Alkael, the Browns assistant, director of pro personnel, he's the one who kind of presented the case to bring you in to Dan Sagany and Glenn Cook and Andrew Barry. They bring you in, and then he gets to tell you that you get a contract. And what was that moment like for you when, when he said, we're signing you and let you know what that actually meant that you would be a part of the Cleveland Browns, obviously, this season going into training camp and not just back for rookie minicamp, but that the Browns signed you. They wanted to have you in their program. 
Um, it, when, so after I got done with the workout, I would say, like, I, after, like, 30 minutes, I, had, I was talking to them, and then it was like, oh, you're, they liked what they saw. I mean, it was just telling me stuff, and then it said, like, we would like to sign you. So in my mind, I thought, oh, okay, he's going, they're going to sign me to come in for a rookie mini camp because I had, I had two scheduled uh, – after that workout, I had two other rookie mini camps coming up that I was already committed to, to go to. And so I was like, oh, okay, he's going to sign me to a, to a rookie mini camp, and I got to do that. So I asked him, I was like, oh, you're, you got to sign me to a rookie mini camp, right? He was like, no, we're signing you to the roster. So then when, he, when that happened, I was like – I was, like, in shock. And then, like, yeah. I I asked him, I was like, hey, do you guys care if I swear right now? And I was like, because I was, like, I was, like, surprised. Like, like I've, I thought, like, oh, like, I told my agent before I went there, like, yeah, they're, I'm going to make, they're going to offer me a contract. So I was, like, real confident in my workout. Like, I was, like, I'm going to be really good leading up to it. But then when they actually, when they actually told me they're going to offer me, they're going to give me a contract, it was, like, I was, like, wow. It's an awesome story, yes, and you yeah. mentioned, you know, with Mo Cox, and he's had, you know, some ups and downs in the sense that he was on a practice squad. He was waived a bunch of times, and now, you know, he's a guy who's, I think he's had six touchdowns the last couple of seasons, and they just signed him to a contract extension. So it's cool that you have somebody you know who's followed this path. What's kind of been the best piece of advice that he's given you, or, and I'm sure he's fired up for you to get this opportunity? Um, he just really told me he was like, Physically, he's like, you're going to be straight with the physical part. He's like, it's just mostly, like, mental. Like, you like you really got to, like, I asked, I, asked, I asked at some point, and he was like, I just, he just wouldn't all, he was all committed in the playbook because he was, like, coming, basically, me and him coming from basketball, we don't really know any sure. of football terminology, football schemes. So, like, compared to, like, someone that's been in college with football, they've been playing, they, understand, they, could, they could pick it up because they understand it. To us, it's like a whole new language. It's a new language, so Absolutely. So he was like, you really just got to be committed to the uh, playbook. And then that's what I've just been doing. And then right now, since we're having this break until training camp, that's like one of my main goals is to uh, commit to the playbook. And then he also told me like uh, footwork and all that because it's all different footwork from basketball and football. So like he, the, the, the point is that he gave me, it really like helped me out coming in because I had a type of, I had like a good type of vision of what it was going to be like. But then once I came here, I was like, okay, and then, like, stuff started to pick up for me. So, basically, the stuff that he told me that was going to be a challenge that I would need to work on, it's stuff I've been focused on. Marcus, is there is it? Who do you do you watch film of guys? Are there are, are there guys you study? Guys in the league that you get tape on, and uh, oh, yeah. as you're trying to transition, who are, who? What are you doing from that perspective? Um, the main person I watch is Gronk, like because I look at yeah. like we're both tall and big. And like same kind of same body type, so I watch a lot of Gronk. Um, I like watching Kittle, Kelsey. Um, I really like I like I really watch any like really good any tight ends yeah. in the league, and I I really pay attention to like their footwork and stuff. Yeah, and you mentioned the footwork, and then and blocking's a part of it, right? It's one yeah, thing. Yeah, and the, oh yeah, and the blocking. Like uh, Kittle, I watch Kittle because he's really good at blocking. Um, Kelsey, I watch because of his, his his footwork and all that, and then uh, Gronk, I just watch his overall, just watch what he does because that's what I'm trying to model my game like. 
Absolutely. From your mouth to God's ears, that would be tremendous for you and for this organization, obviously. You know, and you've got a guy in your room, and David Njoku, who came into the league very young, had not played much tight end, really kind of started getting going in, in college, and yet he's become one of the better blockers. So you've got guys in your room that you can lean on as well. I do want to say this from being out there. You are a very natural catcher of the football, and I know that's one of the things they've talked about. You don't fight the ball at all. It looks like you've been catching a football a long time, and it's different than a basketball. Is that something that you worked really hard on kind of prior to coming out here and just how to catch it, how to high point, how to make kind of like that diamond, see the ball, the point of the ball come through there? Because at least to my, my eye anyway, it looks very natural to you catching a football. Oh, yeah. Um, but first, yeah. Um, so when you talk about Njoku at first, yeah, I also uh, – Njoku and Bryant and Miller and um, Johnny, they've been helping out a lot with me over here. And just, yeah. like, I think watching film, watching film way different than watching in person, like watching Harrison, how he runs, he blocks, watch, especially watching Njoku, like just how he run, his catching, his blocking, I really pay attention to. And he's been helping out with a lot of pointers, so that's been good. And then for the catching – um, I think I would say basketball would have to do some of like sure do some of it. But um, when I started to work out, I remember my first day I was working out. I was going out catching, and like my trainer was saying, like you, they would expect to like a basketball player come to football have hard hands, stone like they said stone hands and not like yeah. soft catches, soft hands. And he was like, Nah, you just naturally catch. Yeah, you do. So like I think, and then um. When I went back to tech to work out with one of the QBs, he was like, "Yeah, you just got to work on technique and all that stuff." But he's like, "Your catching is like, and like, he's like, your catching is good. Like, you just you look natural catching the ball." And then when I look at it, I just like really just focus on the ball, and I just look at it, all right. When the QB throws it to me, they're putting trust in me, so I need to make this catch. So that's how I just really look at it. For those of you out there who don't watch a lot of college basketball, one other factor in this, Marcus played it at VCU and then at Texas Tech, uh, and I'm sure he would corroborate this. Those are two of the most physical, toughest programs you can play at. I mean, Tech oh, is yeah. rugged. You guys are rugged at Tech. You were the last couple of years. This year, ain't same as well. I mean, that is battles in the Big 12 and as rugged a conference and as rugged a style of play as you're going to find. Oh, yeah, definitely. Our uh, head coach at Tech – he, he really was like, if you're not going to play defense and go all out, I don't want you. So that's what we really did was just play hard and just play defense over there in Texas. That's what they're known for. They're known for West Texas toughness, they, they say, over there. It's kind of ironic that the, the Big 12 in basketball is known as the physical tough division. And in football, I think there's more defense played in Big 12 basketball than yeah. in football. It feels, like it, yeah. it feels that way. Oh, yeah. Um, Big, 12, Big 12 football, it's, it's really known for just high scoring and offense. Yeah, absolutely. Slinging it around the yard there. Has Did that, like, physicality help you? Has the physicality of the game at all surprised you? And I know you guys really haven't gotten into that. I'm probably sure you're looking forward to that in training camp, getting the pads on and, and actually – playing some football is that something that you enjoy the contact the physicality the ability to you know as a tight end right you do everything that's why they say it is a position that can take some time because you need to know everything in the pass game and you need to know everything in the run game and be an extension of the offensive line at times do you like that physicality and is that something you're looking forward to putting the pads on and getting to actually feel that physicality oh yeah definitely um when 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 i was younger and i used to play everyone used to say i was just like physical and then playing that my, my position when I played in basketball, I was physical, but it's definitely not the same as football. I think, honestly, like, I'm not really worried about the physicality part. Like, I yeah. know, like, what I'm getting into for football and, like, just 
So I know I'm going to go out there, just do what I got to do. I know I'm going to get hit, blocked, and all that. I'm going to be good with that. And I'm like, once I get the hang of it, I'm also getting back to contact, and I'm, I'm going to hold my ground out there. And then just, I would just told people, people would come up to me like, oh, you ready for the, the boys be hitting in football? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. It's just, I didn't realize how mentally football was with the playbook. Like, that's the main thing at first that I'm really like, that's the main thing, the, the playbook. Yeah, and all the different checks you could have based on the defensive alignment and how a route could be this, but if they're lined up that way, you're running a different route and all the little things you need to worry about, blitz pickups, it's a ton. It is a ton to digest, and it's good that you're already diving in the playbook and that you got Mo Cox to kind of help guide you there and the players in your room and your, your position coach, T.C. McCartney. So you've got that there. What I want to ask you about real quick is I know the Browns went out to the Cavs facility the other day, and, and you know, you're coming in. You were a college basketball player at the high level did were you surprised at some of the skills some of the guys had uh in that day at the Cavs and do you feel like the Browns could put together a pretty formidable basketball team oh yeah they could put a really good basketball team um Jacoby Brissett would be the three-point shooter he ended up winning the whole oh game. yeah he was stroking it but um um you know it was, I wasn't really surprised because like if you look at it most of the guys on the, that play football they ended up playing high school basketball or something sure. or on their free time they go they go they go shoot around and stuff so I wasn't really surprised with that it was but it was actually fun that we was able to go out there and do that were you gonna lock some people up i feel like i feel like you would uh, thank you brother i feel like you'd lock some people uh lock some people up there between you jok was a was all state in high school yeah jok all state yeah he says he's like oh, a yeah, Iguodala um, defensive guy we was um some of the guys like some of the some of the defense and me um we was playing some ones down low, face up in the post, and Coach Fancy came by. He's like, hey, make sure you guys are careful over here. Don't go crazy. <laughs> so, like, we were having a nice, friendly competition over there. Who was, who was, uh, who was, who surprised you when you were down in the post with him? Who, who was, who caught your attention? Um, Curtis, he has, he has some good moves. He has some good, he got me with some good fakes. Weave? Stuff. Yeah. He can move. Oh, wow. All right. He has, okay. He has, some, he has some, he has some good moves down there. So, and then, um, uh, Chase, he 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 went on a four score. He went he scored four straight on all of us in one. And he had like the old man Winnipeg. moves down there, so he played one game. He was like, yeah, I'm done. So Chase, That's Chase it. Won. Go out on a high note, man. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right well, after you, he scored me, he's like, right after he scored me for game point, he's like, yep, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> smart. That is Get smart. out while the getting's good. That's right. Marcus, will you, will you watch the draft tonight? The NBA draft is tonight. We'd be interested in that. Played a lot of the guys. Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it because. I know a couple. Some of my friends are in there, and then some of my teammates who I feel like they might get drafted. I told one of them, I was like, "Hey, if you guys get a contract from the Keep Cleveland Cavaliers, come down here." Let's go. That's oh, it. I could, like it. Could, That's we, beautiful. We could probably be. We could probably be roommates. There it is. That's <laughs> right. So smart. I, so smart. I, so I'm hoping for one of them to come down here, but no, I'm happy for them. They all. They all did. A, they they all worked really hard to get to where they're at right now. So I'm definitely going to be supporting them. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Well, this is going to be a fun jo voyage for you over the next couple of months, and, and once we get into camp, really great having you on today. Thanks for your time, pal. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. Coming up next to this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, Joe Thomas, the Hoff. He joined. It was fun. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste and Recycling is family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. And now in this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, the time Joe Thomas just called in. 
I already know what you're doing. So I don't even before I before you even raise your hand, this is a reaction to the Hoff, isn't it? <laughs> Amazing. I just felt that we had to share this because it's unbelievable. How did you know that's what I was doing? Because I knew, I knew that, I knew that you would have Twitter up. Yeah, I had the same reaction you had. You saw my face when I read it, and when I saw your face and your hand raised, <laughs> there was only one thing that it could be in response to, and it was what the Hop just put on social. <laughs> he put on social, so I feel like I mean. So make your bed tweets. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. That's what make your bed said. To which Joe Thomas writes, "The Hop, the Hop." verified i disagree double exclamation point make your bed double exclamation point screw that this is where it gets interesting i like to start my day with a game of chance it's the underwear lottery i reach into the grab bag and pull out a pair of briefs remind me to come back to yeah that. that's a huge word first right. thing, you're gonna you're gonna that's gonna get lost in what comes next first thing in the a.m summer holy summer tight summer stained some are perfect. If it's a nice pair, I've already started my day with a jackpot feeling. If it's a crappy pair, that will ruin my day. But at least Literally I find out that my day will suck right off the bat. Okay. We need to get him on here in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. To discuss the brief part of this, the fact that he has stained and ruined underwear. It's still in the circulation. Why are in the circulation? A, sir, you are a millionaire. Yes. <laughs> and, I mean, and what are we doing... Like maybe maybe boxer gotta briefs. Be boxer gotta briefs. be boxer. There's no way he's walking around in briefs at this day and age. There's a better technology. Yeah, boxer briefs. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say I have 20 pair that are all been purchased within the last year and a half. 15 to 20 oh, yeah. that are in. You gotta yeah. As you soon cycle as through. Any cycle through, and it needs to be for me. It's always a sporty brands boxer brief. That's what I like. So I like it to have that like yeah. material. Yeah. And we go through. And Tommy John's also very good. I have quite a few Tommy Johns. So I'm a Sunspell and a, Sun and, a, and a Tommy John. Tommy guy. John's great. Yeah, Sunspell are my guys. But that's. I mean, this is. I almost fell. Out. Such an attention getter. It's a. I almost fell out of my chair. I think we need him. He, he responded. I tweeted him. I said, "Your tweets have won the day," and he loved that. Yeah. Stand by. Stand by. Yeah. Is he coming on? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. This just <laughs> stall for me for a second. I don't even need to. I love that I just. I love that I just raised my hand and was We're gonna laughing. Get a bill for this, and it's gonna be great. Almost crying, <laughs> and that you, you were like, I know exactly. I know what exactly that is. what. I, as soon as I saw your face, there's only one thing that would elicit that response. There's so many questions I have. There's so much to dissect here in just a two tweet. I mean, in just what few hundred characters by the way the original tweet was tweeted 17 hours ago what the original that he's responding to yeah yeah, yeah, responding to is 17 hours he went back to back right at 213 and then hashtag deep thoughted it which i thought was a tremendous way to like cap it off i just love that if he pulls a crappy pair instead of saying that's it i don't know what that means by the way let's not get into that (laughs) well it'd be very easy to just replace so that's out right and then All I'm going to get pair. a good one. Instead, he's saying, my days, my days sucks. It's ruined. It's done. It's done. Hoff. Hoff. Clarity. Hoff. We need clarity. Hoff. Oh. What an unbelievable what an series unbelievable. of tweets. <laughs> oh, those were my deep thoughts from Vegas over the weekend. And I, I, had to, I had to 
send them out to the people. They, they needed to hear this because this baloney malarkey that you're supposed to make your bed first thing in the morning and supposed to lead to a great day is just rubbish. I hate making my bed. It's the worst, most unproductive <laughs> thing on the face of the earth. It's the very first thing I have well, to do when I'm tired and all I want to do is go to bed. Is I have to unmake my bed. I have to go backwards and go back to where I started the entire horrible day from. But off. <laughs> but off. In your tweet, I feel like I could solve your whole day by just always having a nice pair of drawers for you, bud. <laughs> like ah. you have means, Hoff. Well, we could get too you smart a, for me. A whole, <laughs> I just think a whole fleet once you pull underwear. A, a bad pair, it's out right <laughs> into the garbage. Oh, why didn't I think of that in the first place? Fifteen years as a sponsored <laughs> Under Armour athlete, and I don't have nice pairs of underwear, and I still pull out. Under Armour makes great boxer briefs. I've got yes, a ton of them. Uh, I don't know why I still have them, but I pull them out. I'm like, ah, crappy. Another stained <laughs> pair that doesn't fit, but I'm going to have to wear them the whole day. I love that you're compelled. Once you pull it, it's like you have no choice. No choice. It is like, no choice. It is, it is so it is so. Like, you must wear that pair. Well, it's it's part of the roulette game, right? If you're able to go back to the grab bag and pick a new one out, like, you lose that jackpot feeling that you get when you pull out the perfect pair, right? But you have I'm... to have the misery in order to have the joy. The pure <laughs> the joy. joy. The CBD pure joy. You gotta know what it's like to be down, baby, to appreciate what it's like to be up. That's That's what it is. Okay. (laughs) It just makes me sad as somebody who loves you and and loves your, I think we have a common, you know, zest for life and zest for the world to know that by one unfortunate pull of of an underwear that quite frankly shouldn't be in your stable of of draws anymore, that it can ruin your day. And that makes me sad because I care about you and I want you to have great days every day. Well, thank you. But at least I find out about it early. So I know the day is going to suck <laughs> from the moment I start brushing my teeth and I put on a new pair of underwear or new pair of old underwear that have holes and poop stains on them. <laughs> have, you, have you ever been able to, able to overcome a bad pool and go on to have a surprising a great, great question. day? Nunca. Doesn't happen. Never. <laughs> Never. Hoff, can we also say, just for clarity, that in the use, of, like when you say briefs, it's a boxer brief you're choosing, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big boxer brief guy. I don't. That's I don't what I wear the brief. I don't wear the boxers. Boxer briefs all the way. Only yeah, okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I was, I was worried. We were worried about the Hoff running amok in tidy whities and just felt like that wasn't no. a man. Of, he, that wasn't no. good. Him no. and Larry David are the only people that I know oh, who are sticking with them. And the, I bet LD also probably has un. This Unusable is a- underwear still in his stable. He strikes me as a guy who's not throwing <laughs> underwear out. No, you can't throw underwear out. But, yeah, you also can't wear briefs. <laughs> With these thunder thighs, there'd be so much chafing. You'd be bleeding by the end of the day. <laughs> the idea that Hoff and and, uh, and Larry David have this much in common pleases me. Because I can see LD. This is an episode of this Curb. This is Curb right now. This, this is, is Curb. Absolutely. Yeah, you just did Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think you just had a great time in Vegas. That's what, that's what yeah. it sounds like to me. That we... We are not quite the same as we were before this trip. <laughs> we're changed. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm having withdrawals a little bit in, in many facets after coming home from Vegas and going right to the Brewers game, right to tailgating at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Oh, oh yeah, you took it a Brewers a, game yesterday. Oh, it's been a t- tough weekend <laughs> for my internal organs. Got a detox, huh? <laughs>
Oh, my God. Well, fantastic. Thank you for the update. We, oh, you got a quick? Go ahead. Yeah, real quick. Half of you spoken with your great personal friend, The Rock. Fifth, turns 50 today. How about that? Yeah. Ooh. Ah, good reminder. I, I got to call him here before the day's out uh, to, to send him the celebration and the happy birthday that I'm sure he's been waiting for all day. He, there's no doubt the way he looks at you, he, all the admiration. But the question is, and I don't believe, I can't believe we haven't asked this yet, is what did you pull today? You sound very jovial, oh, yeah, so I have to imagine it move. had to be a good pair. It's the Rock's birthday. I imagine you got to have a good pair on today. It was a great pair. That's why I'm having yep. a great day. So I'm just talking to you guys. I, I knew it would be a great day from the moment I pulled out the perfect pair of tidy ready. And this is why. It's because I get an opportunity, unprompted, unscheduled, to be on CBD. And remind me that I did get to meet The Rock, and I'm looking at the picture on my wall right now, and he wrote on there, uh, this is in his writing. I didn't tell him to write this. You're an inspiration. And maybe it's because of my lust for life and my understanding of first thing in the morning, how great it is to pull a nice pair of underwear out of the grab bag. Boxer brief roulette, changing the world one day. That's right. I hope your glorious day continues, Hoff. <laughs> How could it not? It's already it's written. Already, it's like it's, it's written done. in the book. It's That's done. True. Of course it's continuing. It's already in stone. Yeah. Yeah. Good Do you ever use that with, with, with the missus? Like, I pulled a bad pair today. Like, you leave me alone. Cut me some slack here. Is she aware? Oh, I should. She tries to throw my underwear away, which really kind of pisses me off. So, <laughs> she, you know, she complains about them getting a little too stained and, you know, just a little bit ratty. But I just don't like throwing stuff away. I, I'm not really a hoarder, but when it comes to clothes, I just have a hard time getting rid of it, even underwear. That's yeah, played a special. I'm sure at some point there was, it was part of a great day. Like oh, at one point it was at a one great pull. It was a good pull. Yeah. Hey. And then it's a great point. He was, was a lot of memories. Good soldiers for you. The think about it. All like the great days that you can think back that you had with right. those pair. You just you don't want to get rid of them. And what are you going to do? Yeah. You can't put them in a frame. Put them on your wall. Like you just want <laughs> to keep wearing them and reminding yourselves of the greatness that you had together. <laughs> what a tag team you were! Emotion to inanimate objects is amazing. <laughs> amazing. I love it. This I love it so much. Oh uh, God! Thanks for jumping on, buddy. Uh, and thank you for providing us some joy. <laughs> we love you. What a day. What a time to be alive. That was remarkable. That entire thing was remarkable. And this is the only show in the world where, that where that's happening. That's you can it. bet your butt. That ain't <laughs> yes, the hop will. He will. Great stuff there. And now so much more to come on this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. You're listening to CBD on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back into this special edition of Cleveland Browns Daily here on 850 ESPN Cleveland. We hope you enjoyed our best of all week long here on the show. We've enjoyed putting them together. I know nothing Gibby likes more than, than spending uh, all the time putting all these things together for you all, so we hope that you enjoyed it. Um, we will be back live and in person on Monday on the show, and at that point, Gibby, it is fast track to camp. Yeah, at that point, it's July 11th. We've got a couple weeks. Guys will be back uh, probably about 10 days from when we get back. And then the main bulk of the crew back the week after that. And we hit the ground running 2022 season officially here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's go time at this point. I'm, I'm in no hurry to 
to speed it along, like enjoy our summer. It feels like the NFL offseason is kind of non-existent nowadays. There really isn't a safe time to be able to get away. There's constantly news that is churning. Um, so it'll be good to be able to to get back to the football side of things, and that will start with camp. And boy, will there be about a billion questions going into this camp um, in terms of, of what this team's going to look like, how Kevin Stefanski handles all of that. There's going to be some interesting position battles. I think the running back receiver rooms are fascinating to watch to see how that shakes out very curious to see who steps up at defensive tackle uh, that's the kind of the one position where we are going to kind of leave it to the young guys what does that look like as we get into camp I think I think those are the big questions uh, can you stay healthy um, and then and then how do you integrate some of the new faces Nick Harris in the middle of the offensive line how does he step in for JC Treader who has done it at such a high high level going forward I think I think those are the big questions and they were they will be questions that we start to answer uh, by the time we get to the end of the month which will just be a couple of weeks away by the time we get to it my friend it's crazy uh, we, we said summer needed to slow down and all it's done is hop on the treadmill Just and speeds up it's up to about 15 miles per hour right now it's a full-on sprint and you're hanging on for dear life yeah that's it and it's i mean no one loves anything more than football around here camp here is so special we're going to be there relatively quickly so we hope you enjoyed these special editions of cleveland browns daily again we'll be back on monday live here in studio uh with the live version of the program we're excited to get back to you and, and kind of start to really turn the page to the 2022 season uh for jason and for for gibbe i've never called you jason before never gibbe that's a first on this show for it's right Jay up there with the pull for jason and nate i'm Bo. The next level is next. Thanks for listening. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.